This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Good to see you. The Lord bless you today. If you need a Bible, I want you to get your hand up real high. Once you get a Bible, go with me to Ephesians 4, and we will begin our series here, or keep going with our series here on the wake-up call this morning. Uh, just giving you a time frame, we'll be on it. Next Sunday's the 3rd, then the 10th, and we'll end on the 10th. And this may be shocking to you, but four weeks from today is Christmas Eve. <laughs> Amen or oh me, uh-oh, better get busy. All right, I can just tell you right now, I'm going to give you a pretty good dose of the truth today. So just open your eyes up to the Word of God and let the Word of God teach you. Again, we're going to Ephesians 4, and so in Ephesians 4... The Lord Jesus gave gifts unto men, and actually in that chapter, it talks about for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So in this chapter, he's saying that we're, we're to be prepared for the things of the kingdom of God. So we begin Ephesians 4, verse 14, that we should no longer be children. Now, he's talking about spiritually that we should no longer be children spiritually in other words, he's warning us here, there comes a time, even spiritually, you got to grow up. And so you think about this as a child. A child is pretty selfish. One of the first words a child learns without being taught is mine. How they learn that? They're just selfish. It's mine. It's mine. And so it's interesting, he says here, it's time to grow up. Become mature believers. And so he goes on to say, and we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, one of the ways that, that we stay children is we're led astray by every teaching that comes up. That's why it's very important that you look to your Bible, look to the scriptures. I don't care what title I have in front of my name or other people, you gotta stay with the Bible. And let me throw this in with the Bible. The Bible is not up for redefinition, okay? It's pretty good without is. So he gets over and says, this is part of the reason you stay a child. You're tossed, and tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now listen to this. By the trickery of men, in the coming craftiness of deceitful plotting. And so just because a person has a title in front of their name, doesn't mean you ought to trust them. Just because they have a podcast doesn't mean you ought to trust them. Just because they have a jillion followers doesn't mean you ought to trust them. And so this is strong warnings right here that the Apostle Paul gives us because if I don't heed these, these are going to get me in trouble. And if you notice his wordings here, designed to lead us astray, all this is. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Now, those are, great, are two great biblical realities here. We are to speak the truth in love. That's, that's a job assignment. I'm, I'm to tell you the word of God in aroma of love. Now, a couple of things I want to point out on teaching the truth in love the Lord Jesus, 
You know, he, he did several things in his life that he would speak the truth to people in love. And in James, or not James, but in John chapter five, he said to a man that had an infirmity for 38 years and he healed him. He said, go and sin no longer, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now it's interesting that Jesus said to him, go and sin no more. We don't like to use the word sin. But yet the Lord Jesus did. So when I read that, it's like the Lord Jesus was telling the truth in love. And then a couple pages later in John chapter 8, remember there was a woman caught in adultery and the Lord Jesus said to her, I don't condemn you. I don't cast the first stone on you. But he actually said to that same woman, go and sin no more. So it's interesting, the Lord Jesus, he, he would correct but he would correct even with love. That's what sometimes the truth is. The truth isn't always fun. The truth isn't always pleasant. But I believe the truth is the incubator right here within the church that we must preach the truth. Thank you. There's three of you that agree. But speaking in the truth and love, why? That we may grow up. We may grow up. In all things into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. And so the only way this happens is when I get the word of God, when I get the truth within me. Now in James chapter 3 verse 1, James wrote this. He said, you don't want to become a teacher because you're going to be held to a stricter judgment. Why? Because the words that you speak, because your power to influence... And so we've got to stay with the truth. This, this is an assignment to preach the truth and to love. So let me ask you a question off of that. How do I view the truth? Which is the Bible, the word of God. How, how do you view the truth? Do you view it as optional? Or do you view it as mandatory? Now some people may answer it this way. Depends on what day of the week it is. So you only obey the truth on certain days of the week? How about this one? Depends on who I'm around. So you allow other people to influence you in a negative way. How about this one? Depends on where I'm at. You know, Pastor, there's a lot of Christmas parties coming up, so I may behave a little wrong in those. Uh-oh. Turn one more book to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse number 15, Apostle Paul's still speaking to us, and he says, see then that you walk or live circumspectly. That word means carefully. Pay attention how you live. Well, why does that matter? Keep reading. Not as fools, but as wise. And so off of this verse right here, if you'll notice, there's only two options. You're either gonna be a fool or you're gonna be wise and it comes down to how you live. Uh-oh. Verse 16. Redeeming the time, which is literally capitalizing on every appropriate opportunity because the days are evil. How many of you noticed that? We live in days that are evil. If you don't believe me, just watch the five o'clock news. That's all you get is all the evil. But when he writes this 
that we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. It doesn't mean that me and you are to live within this bubble. That we become insulated to the things of the world. I'm of the world, I'm just not in the world. And so if I read my Bible correctly, we're called to be the salt of the earth, the city that's set on a hill. We're to be light in darkness. Now, I, I watched a video or a guy, he's a, he's a Christian comedian, and, and my daughter gives me a hard time because back in the 80s, we tried to get our children to live in a bubble. Any parents do that? Or being accused of doing that? Well, what do you mean? Oh, we couldn't watch the Smurfs. We couldn't do this. We couldn't do that. We couldn't, and I won't tell you why, but my daughter said, we can't play with Barbie dolls. Well, there was a reason for that and stuff. And so what begins to happen again is we try to live within this bubble and we try to insulate ourselves from the things of the world. But I'm to be light in darkness. I'm to love people. And so what begins to happen is I don't allow the world to influence me. I influence the world. And the way that happens is I got to grow up. Do you remember when you first got born again? When I first got born again, I couldn't influence the world. How many of you have ever said this? I'm going to go to the bar tonight. I'm going to go to the nightclub tonight. And I'm going to get all my buddies born again. Any of you ever do that? I would do that. I didn't get born again. I got introduced or reintroduced to Jack Daniels is what would happen. You know why? Because I hadn't grown up. But there comes a place in my life, just what Paul's talking about here, that I grow up and I say, I'm going to redeem the times. I'm going to live for you. So how does that look? Well, keep reading here. And do not be drunk with wine, uh-oh, in which is dissipation or it cheapens you. But be filled with the Spirit. So something's going to influence you or me. And when he uses the word, don't be drunk with wine, don't allow the, the world to influence you. You're DUI. Don't allow the world to influence you. This is what this, something's going to influence you. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you'll notice the word filled, it's plural. I, I got to let the Holy Spirit be my influencer day by day by day by day and my guide. And so this is what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Be filled with the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life and, and, and dictate what I begin to do with his fruit and his gifts. So here we are at the end of a, a Thanksgiving holiday and many people traveled, whether that was by car or airplane, and I want you to think about this for a second. Before I travel by either one of those, one of the first things I do is I look at a weather forecast. I, I go to the weather channel and I get an expert opinion on what the weather's gonna look like. But when it comes to life, I would rather look to the opinions and the philosophies of men instead of the expert named Father God. If I would just begin to look to the word of God and allow the word of God to be the blueprint of my life, things begin to change in incredible ways. And so I encourage you right here off this, welcome the truth. Welcome. And now go with me to the book of Revelations chapter 2. 
Revelations chapter 2. And so as you get to Revelations chapter 2, Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3, the Lord Jesus writes to seven churches. And I believe those letters to those seven churches are an ongoing application that I believe were intended to speak to me and to you to this day. So we are going to Revelations chapter 2. And this one church, which is the church at Thyatira, I believe it models to, to a T what we just read in Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5. So we begin here in Revelations 2, verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira. So we see immediately here, this letter is addressed to church folk. The word Thyatira has the meaning of an odor of affliction. So it tells me immediately there's some problems there. We keep reading in verse 18. These things says who? The Son of God, the Lord Jesus who has eyes like a flame of fire. And, and when you see the flame of fire that he's talking about here, the Lord Jesus' eyes are like a laser beam. He sees right to the heart. There, there's nothing that is shadowed or camouflaged from what the Lord Jesus sees within every one of us. He ends verse 18 and then says, and his feet are like fine brass. And so when you look at that statement there, it has the meaning of judgment. The Lord Jesus will bring judgment. Keep reading. Verse 19. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience or your perseverance. Now, it's interesting the Lord Jesus is telling these church folk, he said, I know. I know. I know your works. I know your service. I know your love. I know your faith. I know your perseverance. I know everything about what you do. I know why you do it and when you do it. Now, off of this, Jesus knows my works. Jesus knows my love. Jesus knows my surface. He knows yours too. So off of all these things that Jesus is very aware that every one of us do, what type of grade do you give yourself? Even when it comes to this area called service, not only does Jesus know when you serve right here, Jesus knows how you serve. He knows your attitude. He knows that when you complain about serving, he knows that when you wish you weren't, he knows every bit of that. And so there's nothing that he doesn't know when he doesn't see. He goes on to say, as for your works, the last are more than the first. In other words, you've grown in some areas. So what you see here off of this verse is Jesus is commending them. He's applauding them. He said, way to go. But everything changes in the next verse and the first word. Nevertheless, nevertheless, nevertheless is one of those uh-ohs. Nevertheless, now pay close attention to Jesus' nevertheless. I have a few things against you, comma. 
So he goes from praise and commending them to correction. I got a few things against you. Because you allow, you permit, you tolerate, you're okay. Now think about the word here. You allow, you don't stop. Now keep reading what he's talking about here. You allow that woman Jezebel. Huh. Most theologians here don't believe this was this woman's actual name. They believe it was a picture of the woman named Jezebel back in 1 Kings 18. Now, if you studied the woman Jezebel in 1 Kings 18, she was the evil. She was the wicked witch of the north. And she was vicious. She had incredible influence. So most believe that when Jesus said this, he's talking about her, her heart and her personality, that it looked a lot like this woman named Jezebel, okay? So we keep reading, you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. She's given herself a title, I'm a prophetess. So just because we have a name or a title in front of my name, that doesn't mean I'm of God. She calls herself a prophetess. Now Jesus is not women being prophetess, okay? He's not anti-prophetess, all right? You can look at a prophetess in the Old Testament in Hulda. There's one in the New Testament in Luke 10 named Anna. So he's not going after women being prophetess. That's not what he's after. So what is he going after? He said, this woman who calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce. So Jesus right here is going after what this woman is teaching from the pulpit. And I'll throw a little nugget on the inside of you here. Jesus does not one time mention in this that this woman shouldn't have been teaching in the church. He doesn't mention that at all. But what he does specifically mention is what she's teaching and her goal to teach was to seduce or lead astray. So now again we see, was she speaking the truth in love? Evidently not. So what was she teaching? She was to teach and to deduce my servants. She was going after the children of God with her teaching. And listen what she was teaching. To commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Think back about Ephesians chapter 4, what we read. Children were tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. The craftiness and the cunning craftiness or the deceitful plotting of men. This is what's going on right here. So she was teaching sexual immorality from the pulpit. And evidently the people in the church were okay with what she was teaching. Because it said 
They permitted it. They tolerated it. I almost get that they begin to welcome it. And I wonder if she wasn't teaching that. Well, that's why we have grace. Grace means you can live however you want and God will take it. That's not the meaning of grace, okay? See, grace has been presented as a license to sin. But what I found out in my own life, I don't need a license to sin. I do pretty well without a license. But this polluted theology, this garbage was being spoken from the pulpit. So was she permitting sexual immorality and the worshiping of idols as, it's okay? It's okay? What's the matter with a little sin? As long as it's just every now and then. And you know, everybody's going to do it. Think about the definition of sexual immorality. I'll help you with that. That's Hebrews 13, 4. The marriage bed is undefiled. The marriage bed. It doesn't say the bed. It says the marriage bed. So if you're shacking up, you're in sexual immorality. If you're playing doctor and nurse, you're in sexual immorality. Hmm. Listen to this. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to give you the scriptures. You can write it down. This is Acts chapter 15, verse 28. Now listen to what this says. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these, you do well. Wow. Amen or oh me. I, I don't know that it can get any clearer. And so this is what this woman was teaching. And they were okay with it. Verse 21. And I gave her time to repent. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever gave you time to repent? Whew, thank God he has. That's his mercy. I don't get what I deserve. But God gives every one of us opportunity to repent, repent. And if you'll notice here, it says, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. So it's obvious here that he's been, he's been dealing with her heart over and over. And if you look at what the Lord said about the Holy Spirit in John 16, verse 8, he said the Holy Spirit would convict you of sin. So what happens is when we begin to hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit, the great surgeon, he starts working in my heart. And his goal is to get us to repent. The greatest daily vitamin that me and you can take is to repent. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. You know what repent says? He's the God of a second chance. But without repentance, it's incurable. You can't be cured without repenting. And so it specifically says, I gave her opportunity. And she wouldn't. She didn't. She willingly refused. You know what that's a sign of? And I am a hard-hearted soul. I gave her time to repent. 
Now here's a thought off of that. Even for me and you, I don't have to repent. I can keep going in that same direction. I can keep doing the same thing over and over. And you know what human nature is oftentimes? When I don't face immediate consequences, I think, I got away with it. Or God's okay with it. God's got, he's good with it. He's not good with it. Now watch this real closely in verse 22. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed. I will lay her low in a bed of suffering and anguish. The Aramaic says a coffin. Now listen real close to who said that. The Lord Jesus said, I will put her in a sick bed. You know what this is? This is judgment. The Lord Jesus will ultimately bring judgment to every one of us, including this woman who was teaching this. He goes on to say, and those who commit adultery with her, the ones who listened to her stinking teaching, the ones who bought in and begin to act into sexual immorality and idol worship, and he addresses them too, and he says, I will bring them into great tribulation. Not small, not a little. He said, great tribulation. Now watch what he ends this verse with. Unless they repent of their deeds. Unless I repent of my deeds. Unless I come clean of my deeds. Ah, about 15 years ago, I believe, I was sitting in a meeting with 250 pastors in Dallas. And many of you know a pastor named Robert Morris, and he was speaking that day. And with 250 pastors, he stood before us and said, the Lord's instructed me to teach on sexual immorality today. And he said, the reason I believe we're supposed to do that is he said, right now between 80 and 85% of all pastors in the United States are in some form of sexual immorality. You do the math. See, just because I have a name or a title in front of me doesn't mean I'm exempt from that. But the greatest thing about his teaching that day is he used himself as an example. It was incredible. One of the greatest meetings I've ever been in in my life. And he said, a couple years ago, I was a main speaker at a, at a pastor's conference. He said, I spoke, and then the next night, I stayed over to listen to another man of God speak. The man of God got over onto sexual immorality here. And he said, what I realized, the stuff he was saying from the pulpit, the Lord was, was coming at me with those laser beams. He was looking in my heart. And he said, he started dealing with me on some areas of my life. And the Lord said to him, he said, I want you to get up and I want you to walk down and answer the altar call. And he said, I can't do that. 
Because if I do that, I reveal that I'm a pastor that's got issues. And God said, not only are you in sexual immorality, you've got a problem with pride too. He said, I walked that aisle. I stood before God and he said, I repented. He said, I repented for all the things that had took place in my life. He said, it was one of the greatest changes in my life. He said, the only way I am what I am is because that encounter with God. And pastor, you're preaching good. Verse 23. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. He searches the minds and the hearts. My thoughts, every bit of me, he searches every bit of it. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. The message says, I will x-ray every one of your motives. And every one of us are going to get exactly what we deserve. So now this thing called repentance becomes huge. Verse 24. Now to you I say and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as you do not have this doctrine, as the ones you didn't buy into this teaching, you weren't initiated to this teaching, he says, as many of them have not known this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, the deep of Satan, now, we got to go back to what he's talking about here. He's talking about sexual immorality and idol worship. And it's interesting. He says that these things are the deep things of Satan. In other words, you don't want to go into the deep end with Satan. Keep reading. As they say, I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast, cling tightly to what I have till you come. Don't let go. And he who overcomes and keeps my work until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. To him who keeps my works. To him who does what God tells me to do. Verse 27. I'm almost done. Not another hour. He shall rule them with a wrought iron. And they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. As I've also received from my father and I will give to him the morning star which is Jesus. Now listen real closely here. He who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Is my heart open to the truth? I'm not stupid. I know this stuff's not easy and it's not fun sometimes. And there's days in my life I said, Lord, can we just preach on something that's fun and casual? And the Lord oftentimes says fun and casual is not much of a reality anymore. The truth within the church has come on hard times. And so do you have an ear to hear today? Do I welcome the truth even when it's hard, when it's difficult? Verse 
Why don't you stand up here? I ask you just to bow your head right there where you're at. Close your eyes. And... I don't know how this applies to you. But I know repentance is big to God. Not just to confess my sin, but say, Father God, I need your grace today. I need your touch on me to do a 180. That I hear the scriptures, that I hear the truth. And so what do you do? What do I do when the Lord has desired me to repent, to die? Just as he talked to the woman, I've been patient with her, I've been patient with her. But when it comes to this in your life, do I stiff arm God? Do I tell God, I, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to give in to you. I don't want to do the things that please you. I'd rather do what pleases me. And what you see here, there's judgment because God doesn't play games. And you begin to see the seriousness of what takes place through the scriptures. So with every eye, eye closed and every head bowed right now, you feel comfortable here this morning just raise your hands to heaven the Holy Spirit you said in John 16 you would lead us and guide us in truth you would convict us of sin of righteousness and judgment and this may make you feel just a little bit uncomfortable but for just a brief time right here. Just brief. I want you to be still and quiet. And I believe the Lord's going to deal with you on areas right now. It's just the goodness of God. Thank you, Father God, for your gift of repentance today. So maybe the Lord's dealing with you with your, your actions, your works. You know, in 1 John 2, it says all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I'm going to put you at ease right here, okay? promise I wouldn't cast the first stone at anybody. I'm just as guilty. And so maybe you may not have actions that aren't good, works and deeds that are good, but maybe your thought life. Maybe it's in your thought life. How's your thought life? Have you been dating the devil? Have you been going steady with him? Have you and the devil been romancing? See, the Lord said in Matthew 5, he said, 
for me to even look upon a woman in a lustful way. I've already committed adultery in my heart. Listen, guys, I'm not, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I'm a human. I, I, I have the same temptations. But I say all this because I, I see the seriousness that Jesus said to the church at Thyatira. So you know what Jesus is telling us? I want your heart. I want your heart. And so as our team gets ready to play, I don't care what it looks like. When we respond to the Lord Jesus, something happens. And so as they sing and play and worship, I welcome you right now and say, that's me. I'm, I'm coming before you today, Lord. I'm coming before you in a couple reasons. One, I'm going to shred any form of pride that has tried to rise up in me. And I'm going to allow you, Father God, to come back into my heart. And you be the God that cures all the elements within me right now. And so I believe, guys, there's an anointing to repent down here right now to say, I'm coming. I'm coming before the Lord right now. Go ahead, guys. Let's sing. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.